Welcome to The Table. Welcome to The Table is a podcast put out by the good people of Pulpit Rock Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm your host, Thomas Thompson, and with me is my co-host, Susanna Bates. Hey, Susie. Hey, guys. And we're continuing a conversation about launching, launching your kids out of the home. And we have uh, two couples with us today that have done that. Uh, one is Jessica, my wife, and I. We've launched two out. And then Rob and Laura Shorey have also launched two. And so we're continuing this conversation. Well, what would you guys say is something I mentioned earlier uh, when we opened up that um, you're not experts. You don't have to be experts. You're witnesses to something. You've witnessed some things, experienced some things. What would you say that you have witnessed uh, in yourself or in your spouse? Uh, what, what has been launched in you and your hearts going through these two new phases that each of you have experienced? What has, what has been birthed in you? What have you witnessed? God do or something, that, a way you've grown or something new? thing that surprised me is while there is this sadness that they are not in your home anymore and you're not in their life every day, it's a lot of joy watching them be them yes. and watching them. What are they going to do? How are they going to fill their time? Are, how much are they studying? How much are they not studying? It's just, that's kind of joyful to me to kind of watch them become this adult that they have, you've been developing and hopefully putting good things into. And so while there is a lot of sadness and missing, it's also really cool, it really is. exciting. That's beautiful. I would say that's almost the same weight of what's the expectation and, and seeing that unfold. For, for your question specifically, though, I, I would say what I have learned is the Father's heart, like God the Father's heart in a way that I have never had to experience before. And I even said to Thomas last week, I might actually have faith in God for the first time. <laughs> like legitimately, as, as you see them launching and if they aren't making the best choices, it be, and you have zero control, it becomes this moment of I, which control is a facade in the first place, even when they are at home, mm -hmm. like it is a complete facade, but, um, learning the fathers, having to trust God in a way, because I can't control what choices they're making. I have to believe in the God that I've talked about my whole life. I have to believe in that in a way I've never had to before, if, if I'm mm. not going to lose my mind. Well, and I think too, you know, God loves us no matter what and what choices we're making. And we see that if our children are making choices that we don't agree with, we still love them. We still care for them. We still want the best for them. So, I mean, there's another picture of what, of the, you know, how earthly parenting is like the heavenly father. And it's not even <clears throat> allowing them to make these choices at this point. I mean, they're, they're adults, they're, they're out there and you do have some leverage, I guess, at this point, you have some financial leverage. You could say, well, we're going to not pay for this or that, but it, you play that card and then it's played. And then, um, they're, they're not too far away from being independent in that case as well. And mm -hmm. so this is why I really love going back to, you're still fighting for their heart. It's not about trying to control their behavior. Yeah. And there are times I think that we have to make some of those decisions, but, uh, of like, Hey, we're not going to pay for that. We're not going to fund that. But, um, I think the shift that was happening for me is just realizing this, this parenting role shifts and changes over time and what they need from me. And you, you become much more of a coach and a counselor than you were kind of the custodian of them when they were younger. And 
uh, I was realizing how when my kids were younger, I always kind of saw their lives as part of my story. And now that they're out, I'm realizing, you know, I, I don't own their story anymore. It, it's their story. And I have a, a part I play in this story, but but it's their story and where they're going to live, live it. And gosh, I hope and I pray for them to be happy and to follow Christ and to uh, make choices. Um, but that's that's kind of what my part is. I can hope it, I can pray and I can counsel, but I can't control. And it's going to be the story they're writing. And I'm hoping that their story when they look back is, is just like mine, where I look back and realize I wish I hadn't done that, really wish I hadn't done that. But in all of this, God has used it to bring me to where I am. The counselor role has is, is been difficult for me uh, because I never know when to engage and when to just let it ride. You know, like not that I'm going to control their behavior, not that I'm going to change their mind, but when should I be having intentional conversation or just be quiet? You know, when should uh, I be trying to raise a subject or, you know, let it play out the way it'll play out? Um, that's never clear to me. Uh, I guess I'd make a terrible counselor, but. Uh, <laughs> no, that's very hard to navigate. I think that is. For me, I find myself depending on the Holy Spirit more yes. because of, of exactly what you're talking about, of not knowing, well, do I press in here? We're going to get coffee. Should I just be quiet? Should I ask questions? I feel like when they were younger, as a three on the Enneagram, I'm so like driven, perform, and well, let's make this time count, you know? Mm -hmm. How can I? And to the point where they kind of are like, okay, so now what are you going to teach us, mom? And, mm -hmm. and so valuing learning to shift earlier on, okay, relationship, what does that look like with each one? And of course they're all four different. So right. that doesn't help <laughs> when you think you get it figured out. Right? <laughs> one thing that Jessica has always reminded me of, and this is something I think that you could begin practicing even when your kids are younger. And I wish I could go back in time and do this is learning to ask questions rather than to tell them things. Um, and so instead of saying, well, this is what we do, or you can't watch this or whatever, say, Hey, tell me what, What's going on with that? What do you think? Mm -hmm. uh, th this friend I was with yesterday was talking to that same daughter, and, and somehow the question came up um, about sex. And he said, well, when, when, do you, when do you think that you would have sex? And she said, I don't know. I guess um, maybe when I'm, when I'm ready. And he said, oh, that, okay. Well, when do you think you'd be ready? And she's 14, and he's asking her these questions. And she said, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe when I get married, I'll be ready. Okay, well, what, what happens if you get married and you're not ready? He's just asking her questions. Good questions. Yeah. I, <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing this thinking how many times I'm like, well, no, this is what you're supposed to do, mm -hmm. and this is what you're supposed to do. And yeah. just learning to ask questions because, again, you're teaching them how to own their own life. Yeah. I have an example of that when uh, Mark was deciding where he was going to go to school and what he was going to study. And, and I think this is going to come across as a form of manipulation and, and i think because it was but um <laughs> but maybe it's helpful to somebody is um he started going down a very narrow path and it was a specific school that offered a specific major that he just happened to be passionate about um and my initial reaction that, not a whole lot of job opportunity there right mm. and my initial reaction was this these are terrible choices uh you know how do i make this not happen I think it was inspired to sort of have him, you know, put, put it back on him with a good question. Um, 
And the conversation we had, I was just saying, well, I kind of feel like if you're going to go to college, which is the choice he had already made, it should be about broadening your opportunities as opposed to narrowing them. And he stood on that for a couple of days and he came back and I, you know, I asked him a couple of days later and he had decided what I wanted, but he had made the choice himself. So That's you know, good. it's a, a little bit manipulative, but it was him making that decision, yeah. not me. It was the right question, but you don't always know the right question or mm -hmm. the right moment to you know, sort of influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I guess, I guess manipulative is, that's maybe Accurate, the most cynical but, but, word I could. Yeah, but no, I, th I think you're right. I, our daughter is a couple years away from college, and she's already expressing some things um, that I find a little concerning. My husband finds deeply concerning, and she made some comments, and then I think left with a friend or something. wasn't at the house, and my husband was like, "I am having a really hard time with this. I am really freaked out about like this is kind of my worst fear." And I kind of let him get all that out, and I'm like, "Hey, we're." We're not going to let that happen. Now, we're not going to tell her no. We're going to kind of manipulate, right. kind of like ask the questions, guide. help, help guide, guide. <laughs> with, with an end in mind, help, help lead her to make the decision herself, which, which would get more traction anyway. Um, and that sounds like exactly what you're saying you experienced with your son. We have perspective, and there are things that we know are really bad choices, and uh, it would be a lot easier to just say, that's a bad choice, and I'm not going to let you do it. Right. It's a little counterintuitive to be open-handed. It open -handed doesn't work and, to do yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. How do you decide when it is a bad choice or it's just not the choice you would make? Mm. Mm -hmm. Is there a bad choice that God, def maybe define bad choice, because I think sometimes the, the choices I've made that are bad, I've learned the most from. How do you determine the difference between a bad yeah, choice and a choice? Is, to me, that's... It is hard to know because, not just with our kids, but in other situations in life, somebody makes the, the choice that we would say, not only is that not the choice I would make, but that's, that's a bad choice. And then it works out in a beautiful way. You know? So it is, it is really, uh, really hard to define what a bad choice is in the moment. So I guess just coming at it from experience and wisdom, you know, you're doing your best to, uh, to define... The better choice from the not better choice, but um, it's hard to say which of them are bad. Well, both are so subjective. Yeah, bad and what I think is wrong or bad. Well, I guess I guess it depends on the situation. Some choices are clearly bad. Mm -hmm. You know, when the choice is going to hurt somebody, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that's obviously an objectively bad choice, mm -hmm. uh, and we can weigh into that. Um, when it's an unknown, that's a little harder. When we have a hard time trusting our kids to make the right choice, we just have to learn to trust the God in them. And hopefully, hopefully each of our kids have had an encounter with God and have some part of their heart that's open to his leading. And we, just, we have to trust that God is bigger and cares more about them than we do and has a plan bigger and better than any plan we could come up with and, and just have to trust the God in them to, to lead them to the right choice or the good thing. That's There's a, a guy in our church that um, says this a lot. He says, God does not have grandchildren. And what he means by that is it, um, while I am my kid's parents, it's not like God has to go through me to them. He is a father to them mm. directly. 
And that's something hard for me to trust yeah. because that also takes, it, it helps me with that ownership piece a little bit. Like I, I can't own everything. Um, just like I can't, I can't own every great decision that they make and I can't own every bad decision that they make. And I don't know if you guys experienced this, but I think when our kids became uh, juniors and seniors and you start realizing that, that, that launching is in sight, all of a sudden we went through the season of reevaluating every decision we had made. Was it, was it right that we put them in this school? Should we have done more of this? Oh, we did, we let mess up by letting this happen. And it really, it, it begins to just gnaw and eat at you. And then you, I think you get through that phase and you come to a point of realizing, okay, I mean, we, we did make mistakes and we did the best we could. And our kids were experiments from day one, you know, cause we had never done this before. And we have to trust that there's a God who's going to say, I'm, I, you're the parents that I wanted these kids to have. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm their father directly too. That's something even in this last year, as they, as the, the older two have been launched and, um, dealing with heartbreak and decisions they've made, I so quickly go to shame. Like that is like all the time. Like I immediately feel like, oh, I did something wrong. What did I do? Da, 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 da. And God so clearly said to me, and I remember where I was driving down the highway, the sun was setting and he just, I mean, I didn't hear his voice, but it was as close as possible. He said, I picked you to be their parents. I picked you. You're not, it's not because you're perfect. It's not because you're never going to have issues, but I picked you. And that was there ever since that moment, I, I, I have lived, lived in freedom. And if there's anything I could say to parents, it's you there is a reason you are their parent. God picked you. He is sovereign. He is in control. Like, just take that to heart. And, and it's because the more time you spend oh, looking back and regret and this and that, like the, the less present you're going to be for what you need to be your best version of yourself right now to, to handle with them. So that was pretty, pretty powerful. I don't know if this would be encouraging to young parents or not, but to use a, maybe a ridiculous example. Um, and, and I guess the point is that sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. Um, mm. uh, I felt like raising our young kids, you know, one of the things that we put on ourselves, again, a silly example is if we don't teach them to eat healthy, who's going to teach them to eat healthy? <laughs> and, um, and I feel like that was a complete failure. Like we couldn't even get our kids to eat at certain years, let alone eat healthy, eat healthy right? And so at some point, you know, we just, you know, gave up, you know, accepted the failure and, and just stopped even pressing into that. And here we are pleasantly surprised them as young adults. Our, our, They're our making better food choices like, than we eat every salad day, right? every day, mom. And I'm getting my vegetables in. It's like, maybe we did do something <laughs> right or, there. Or maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe accepting failure was the, was the right thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. But sometimes, uh, despite your best efforts and giving up, it turns out in a good it way. Works out all right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's them figuring it out. Going back to something that Susie said about... Um, letting your kids fail. Uh, we had got this advice, um, from a guy and we applied it with our second child. And that is when his senior year began, we said, okay, there are no more rules for you except for four. Um, one is you, uh, I don't want any cops to come to our house. <laughs> uh, two is 
you have to tell us when you come home. And that's a rule for mom because mom doesn't sleep if the kids aren't home. Uh, a third one was you need to be a part of some kind of spiritual community. It doesn't have to be our church. It could be a Bible study, young life group, whatever. There was a fourth one we had. I think it was just maybe tell us when you're going to be home or something like that. Okay. Clean your room. So, yeah, <laughs> right. But, and he was like, so you're not going to, you're not going to make me go to get up in, in the morning. You're not going to come in. Nope. And so he really tested the boundaries of that. And mm -hmm. there was a, a season for a while where he was sleeping in almost on a regular basis, missing that first period. Well, there came a point where the school, the teacher came to him and was like, Hey, you're in danger of not passing this class because you have so many absences. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh, uh, and, and he actually came to me and he's like, Hey, I, I need some help in figuring out how to solve this problem. And, um, selfishly, what I loved about that was <laughs> I just like to not being the bad guy, for, <laughs> yes. I let, you know, but let life be the bad guy, let the teachers, yeah. let the coaches, let his boss, let, let him figure these things out. And so, uh, I think that was moderately successful, mm -hmm. but at least watching them figure some stuff out, like, Hey, if I'm going to have to get up and go to this class, I'm going to have to figure out how to go to bed early or whatever. You were literally laying in this bed and now you need to unlay yes, it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing I would say about that third stage of their being launched. That's really, especially when they are going through hard times. Cause that's, it's harder for me to have faith when there's so much fear. Again, it's back to this. I can spend all my my energy, anxiety, stress on um, what I hope will happen, how, how I hope this will play out, how I, oh, I, I pray that it will uh, pan out, the, the decisions that they will make. And just when, when and, and sometimes that can be overwhelming and just remembering instead, instead of trying to control the future, what if I instead focused on who God has always been? And that to me has been super comforting. Again, back to that faith in this God who's so big and loves them more than I do. It just has allowed me to take a, a really deep exhale. Go, okay, I, I know who you have always been and I trust you. Hmm. It's like the simplest thing, but it's like the hardest thing. It's, mm. Yeah. Well, it's stuff you say all the time and then you don't actually realize how hard it is until you're living you're having to live it. We hear it all the time. Well, sure. Yeah. Jesus is the answer. Yeah. What, what's changed in your approach to the two that you have at home now that you've kind of on the other side of you're halfway through this, you're on the other side of launching two? Something that's been exciting for me, and I didn't realize it until I've launched the second one, is when that first one launched, I got so much closer to the oldest one at home. And it's just kind of we connected so much more. And so now that she has taken off and I've got the two more at home and they're the same age. So it's always a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like I'm connecting with them so much more. And I think it's back to what Jessica said about that bandwidth of who, how many kids am I investing in right now? And now that I've only got two that I'm investing in, I can invest so much more. So that, that has been surprising to me and also harder because then you launch them and you really had connected with them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the way that's, changed how I relate to the other two is I was really looking forward to it. And I would think I realized, okay, one more is going to be gone. I can really invest in these two. And so I think I'm a little more intentional in investing with them. Whereas when the first one left, the second one, it just kind of happened and I didn't really think about it. And now I am trying to be more intentional. Um, and just loving them. I mean, uh, you know, you always love them, but just Put a little more into it because yes. you realize that this is, yeah. I think you value those last couple of years a little better. 
yes. with the with the younger ones that you didn't really realize you needed to be doing with the older. I feel like I'm seeing them clearer. Like they're, they're this is like slightly out of uh, focus. focus person. And I'm like, oh, you, oh, like I, I'm just seeing them so much for who they are. Um, again, because you have that, that the energy and, and with four, it, it, it is more, I feel like I, a lot of the years were survival in a way. I mean, doing the best you could, but I, I, I feel like I see them clearer. Hmm. One it, thing I, I think is fun and, and just maybe a little bit more relaxed is that they have the benefit of having seen this process play out. You know, they're watching everything about, you know, what this looks like to, to launch. And, um, I think overall that's a positive, right? It, it, um, even, it leads to good conversations, but also even the unspoken things. Um, they have a confidence uh, just having watched the older two, you know, so launch true. out. I'm curious, what are the, what is the birth orders that are represented here? You both are the oldest, yes, from your families of origin, youngest. and you're youngest. both the youngest. I'm the youngest too, and I, I think I had a lot less anxiety about these decisions as I was approaching college because mm-hmm. I'd seen two older siblings, yeah, do it well, you know, and. And figure it out. That's so interesting. And it's crazy that, b- that both you guys have four kids. Mm-hmm. Like just listening to um, you guys talk about capacity. And I, I have two. And it's unique with us that they're five years apart. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like two only children. Mm-hmm. Very different rhythms. Very different phases. Um, and I, I, I definitely feel like our family were tapped out on capacity all the time. But um, some of these specific things that, that you guys are talking about, I... I, I don't experience. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Big families. Yeah. And there's things about our family that, that we don't experience because uh, we're smaller. It's just different. I think also having the, having the younger ones still there, it, there is space not only created for us and caring for them, but there's space in the home for them to blossom more, to be the leader. Like you said, your, your daughter, once the older one was gone, you know, that there's more, the stage is, less is more empty. There's a whole part of this that one person took up that is gone. And now who's going to take that space and opportunities for them to lead in ways they weren't leading before, which is really fun to see. And I remember what that felt like. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys do. I I enjoyed it. I was, I remember kind of being nervous when my only kid at home. Yeah. My brother left and I was like, (laughs) Oh man, I'm getting all the parenting. Like it's going to be raining down on me, but I appreciated the space. I I didn't. I I was destroyed when my brother went to school. I I had like a year, like the worst year of my life. Just depressed. How old were you? uh, 17. They're only a year, year and a half apart. So you were a junior Mm -hmm. or you were, it was your last year at home when he was gone. Wow. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Not to be a downer, but no, that makes yeah. sense. If you're close, that close sure. in age and have a close relationship, that would be hard. That's sweet. In closing, I would love to hear from you guys how you're navigating just being intentional to have family time. You've got a couple of kids who are in different colleges. The ones at home are approaching, you know, the busier years of high school. And I love language that you used a second ago, Rob. You said the runway that gets you to intentional family time with just your family. It just gets smaller and smaller as, as you go through these phases with your kids. So how are you guys navigating that? Yeah. Rob realized a few years ago, gosh, we don't have a whole lot of time left with just the six of us. And 
how do we want to spend that time when we have time together? And, you know, who's going to have a summer job? Who's going to have a summer internship? Who's going to want to go home with a girlfriend for Christmas? Mm -hmm. Who's going to want to um, go on a mission trip over spring break? And so we have very intentionally tried to do things as a family as they have, as we've been able to, um, gosh, we all have the same spring break. Let's do something together or block out this weekend over the summer. Um, you know, come home from summer school, whatever, and let's do this together. Um, and that's been really good. We've yeah, made some great family enjoy memories. It while you have it, the next phase will be fun also, but you yeah. know, the, 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 just the six of us together, I think we realized that time was running out. And just make the best of that and enjoy it while you can and as you can. Yeah. That's and good. I think the kids have appreciated it. I think, mm. you know, with our oldest, we say, hey, well, we all have the spring, same spring break. We were thinking of maybe doing this and wondering if he would bail on that. But I think he has been like, no, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time where it, I can spend with you guys. Yeah, mm. I'll come with you. And we try and make it exciting. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the, a little bit of bribery. Yes, that they would want to go to. Um, so that's been, that's been a blessing for us to be able to do that. That's good. We started a, a we just did this last, last Thanksgiving. So we, with two at home and two in college, we want to foster their doing things together without us, mm. because at some point there will be grandkids or even not grandkids, just we're the parents. And so we, we think they're all awesome and we know they're, they can be better together. And so we even just this Thanksgiving gave them money to all go out to dinner together without us. It's a great idea. And it's really good. Yeah. It was a really short dinner. I don't think any <laughs> really deep conversations were had, but it's starting that just that rhythm of, Hey, one night over Christmas, your generation goes out. And if there's a, ends up being a third generation, they can stay home with us or not. But, and I mean, it's not like we sure didn't mind having time to ourselves too. <laughs> sure. Well, it's uh, it's parenting adult children is kind of what's on the other side of that runway, and that's a shifting role I'm trying to navigate as well, and and realizing they're they're changing because right now, um, you know, like I remember with my brother and I, we fought like cats and dogs until I left for school, um, and then all of a sudden we became good friends. And some, uh, our relationship changed when there wasn't the pressure of him always stealing my clothes and <laughs> making me late places. Uh, but kind uh, of fostering for them that, hey, one day my big hope and prayer is that my kids would be friends yeah. you know, as adults. One other thought that we are doing this Christmas, actually, is uh, one of the kids, it would depend on, obviously, the kids and the dynamics of, of the ones at college, but one of our kids really wants to go visit the other kid in college. And so for one of the, his gift is a, a weekend trip to go see his sibling in college. And that's a really cool, like I love, I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember when yeah. um, Susie came to visit me in Alabama and it was, I was, I just fell in love with you. I mean, you're always my sister and I liked you, but I remember that was really the beginning of mm -hmm. our, our friendship, our adult friendship. Yeah. And yeah, I went and spent a spring break with my brothers at school when I was, I think I was a freshman in high school and they were freshmen and senior junior in college. And I went and spent a week with them. See you Boulder. Um, and <laughs> it was so fun. I mean, yeah. it was just great. Yeah. 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 That's good. Thank you guys so much for being here. This was fantastic. I know the things that we talked about, the things you guys shared are going to help a lot of families, a lot of parents who are listening. Um, and I would just like to, to, 
to thank you personally for being people in my life, in my family's life, that are a couple laps ahead of me. Um, gosh, I'm learning so much just watching you guys parent your kids. You're doing it really, really well. Um, I know that there are mistakes made, uh, but what I am witnessing are two families here, parents who are doing the counterintuitive thing of just trusting God, being open-handed with your kids, um, not fighting for their behavior, but truly fighting to stay connected to their hearts. It's the best thing that we can do as parents, and I see you guys just doing that so well. Uh, so thank you for being here and for sharing these parts of your stories. They're really beautiful, and I know are going to help a lot of parents. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, and as we wrap up this season on parenting, um, something you just said, Susie, I think really clicked for me is uh, being with parents that are a couple of laps ahead. There are resources out there that we can look to as parents. And when I was younger, I would read parenting books or parenting sermons or these things. And those things are all great. But the older I get, the more value I see in doing what we've been trying to do this whole season. And that is sitting at a table with other parents. And one of the most helpful things for us, Jessica and I, was uh, uh, a couple of years ago, just realizing that in our friend group, we had the oldest kids. And so it was kind of always the first for everything. And we intentionally sought out this older couple in our church and said, can we just go to dinner with you and hear that it's going to be okay? And they're like, well, we can go to dinner. I don't know what we're going to tell you it's going to be okay. <laughs> but just having, just having those conversations. And so I, my, my hope for this, um, this season is that it sparked in you as you've listened, uh, this thought that, you know, we, we need to, we need to have intentional conversations around a table with other parents. And that is going to be one of the major ways that God's going to guide us through this thing called parenting. So thanks for joining us uh, this season at Welcome to the Table. We look forward to sitting with you again. 